Uh, before we get into our lesson uh, this morning, I would like to challenge us to do something. I don't know if you, uh, while I was studying and, and all yesterday, Susan had told me um, she had caught a little glimpse of some riots and all kinds of things going on in our nation. Some people aren't happy what's going on and, and, and so forth. Uh, but you know, the Bible actually tells us that we are to pray for the leaders of our land. You understand that, whether it's Obama or Trump or whoever, the Bible exhorts Christians to pray for their leaders and all. And I understand, you know, uh, we are a democracy and we have an election every four years. You know, and a person has the privilege of winning that election for two terms and all. But that's what we do in this nation. And a lot of people seem uh, to feel that, you know, once you have an election that you don't have to abide by that. And some people are very angry and upset about it and, and so forth and so on. And uh, uh, I haven't seen it. I plan on seeing it today. But Susan told me there was um, some lady. What was her name? Madonna had, had made some statement about that she had considered blowing up the White House. Well, just so you know, um, that is not a godly spirit. You know, it is not. Regardless of who is in office, that is absolutely unacceptable in this nation that we have, that our forefathers set up, you know, and we have a constitution and we have amendments and all those kinds of things, but that's just absolutely uncalled for. We have the right to demonstrate our opinions if we do it in a peaceable fashion, but not to break windows and burn cars and all those kinds of things. And a lot of that's just a tactic of the enemy of our soul. And uh, I do not doubt that some of those people are just paid to do a lot of that stuff, to be honest with you. But I think it's very appropriate for us to take just a moment to gather and just to pray for our nation and pray for all of our leaders, you know, on a small level in towns and all the way to the president, because we want God's blessings upon us, do we not? You know, we don't want civil war and anarchy, and, and we sure don't want a dictator, do we? You know. So, Father, we do join our faith this morning, and we ask that you bless our, our United States of America, and that you would put it in the hearts of men and women to pursue and to seek unity. The Lord, together, we can accomplish so much more than we can when we're divided. So we ask your blessings to be upon our president, vice president, and their families, and all the leaders who will serve in this administration. Father, we ask your blessings, and that you would cause those blessings to trickle down to each and every one of us, and all of the citizens of this great nation. Bless it. And I ask that you would just cause the, the division and the divisiveness to cease, that you would open people's eyes and recognize what spirit they are of. Lord, we ask that you'd forgive those who've done wrong, that you would heal and restore this nation again so we can do what you have called us individually and as a church to accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay, well, what we're talking about, and, and I want to welcome all you here and all of those of you who are uh, spending this time with us online, all the folks downstairs in our Overflow Cafe. Uh, I just appreciate you all being here, and you're very important. And what we've been studying about is unlocked treasure. And uh, I want to take it a little different direction this morning. I want to talk about unlocked treasure that God has for you. 
by maintaining a pure heart. That's what we were singing about just a little while ago, you know, a pure heart. You know, that's what I long for, to have a pure heart before God. But a pure heart will discover all the treasures that God has set for you. There are, are, are blessings and promises in his word. They'll be unlocked for those who have a pure heart. If, if your heart is not pure, you'll discover a lot of those treasures are locked and you can't access them. So it's really paramount that we, we uh, do it God's way. Look at what it says here in Psalms 86, verse 10. It says, for you are great and, and perform great miracles. This is uh, talking to God. For you are great and perform great miracles. You alone are God. And it says, teach me your ways. I, I don't know about you, but it echoes the cry of my heart. Lord, teach me your ways. You who are great and you perform great miracles, teach me your ways because then we will discover all the treasures of Almighty God unlocked so we can fulfill what he's called us to do here. You know, there's a lot of the promises that we're not going to need when we're in heaven. They're all going to be already fulfilled, but a lot of the promises and the blessings that God promises is for us here now upon this earth. And he says, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart that I may honor you. See, a pure heart, it honors God. And the opposite is true as well. An impure heart dishonors God. And we have all had seasons where our heart has been impure. Is that right? And what we do is we ask God to forgive us and to cleanse us. And he'll do that. He is the God of another chance. He surely is. You know. Well, uh, what I want to do this morning, I want to uh, have a heart check. We want to examine your heart, see what the condition of your heart is here today. So I need a volunteer. Awesome. Come right on up here. Oh. Right, thank you. You're a very courageous man. Okay, now, when you think of checking somebody's heart, what's the, the number one tool when you go to a medical professional? What do they check your heart with? Stethoscope. But I have a different tool. Okay, now I want you to look this way. This is clean, okay? So, I just need you to open your mouth and go, ah. Okay, wait just a second. Here, let's see. Oh, okay, now you can actually have that one. That's clean and all. So you can keep it. You can go ahead and take it out now. But you go, Pastor Ron, what in the world does that have to do with your heart? Use a stethoscope to check it. Boop, 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 boop. You know, check it out that way. Well, we're going to explain that as we go on. But this took a lot of courage for this man here to come up here and have a tongue depressor, you know, put in his mouth and things like that. You do know sometimes our tongue needs to be depressed, right? Okay. So we're going to talk about it, but give him a great applause for helping me out here. And that's, that's your as a reminder of this lesson, okay? There you go. Popsicle stick with no popsicle on it, you know. Okay. All right. Well, let me read you a verse, and it will make all kinds of sense, I believe. It says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, it says, For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Does that make sense? Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. The King James Bible says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth's going to speak. 
So I can hang around with you for a day, and if I hang around with you for a week or a month, you know, I know what's in your heart. Because, see, your tongue has a bucket, and it dips deep down into that well of your heart, and it splashes it out. Or maybe there's a handle, there's a pump there, and it pumps it up. But you hang around somebody long enough, and you hear their words, and out of the abundance of a man or woman's heart, your mouth will speak. If a person's always negative and they're always wanting to blow up the White House or something, you see what's in their heart. If a person's, oh, you'll be okay. You can make it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You see what's in their heart. Your mouth, and you can't help it. Now, people are going to be listening to you today, and I want to challenge you to listen to yourself if you want to see what's in your heart. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of what's in the heart, good or bad, your mouth will speak. You can't totally hide it. You can try, but it will come out. You ever hit your thumb with a hammer? Well, I'm going to tell you, when I hit my thumb with a hammer, or if I actually cut my thumb off, profanity is not going to come out of my mouth because it's not in my heart. It once was. When I was a young teenager, it was there. But it's not in my heart anymore. Something, oh, Lord, help, heal me. You know, something's going to come out. But what's in your heart will come out of your mouth. And that happens all day long. If you tell dirty jokes, that tells you about the dirt that's in your heart. If you're gossiping and you're, you're this and that and other and all, it shows the condition of your heart. Better than a stethoscope, you know. Your tongue, it does. And as I said before, some of us need to depress our tongue, you know. And maybe, you know, the ushers are going to have tongue depressors at the door when you all leave. So you can take one home with you. And uh, it reminds you, you know, that's how I determine what's in my heart. is about what's coming out of my mouth. Okay. In, in Proverbs 18, 21, it says... The tongue can bring death. This is the Bible. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences, good or bad. If you're going, oh, that scares me to death. That drives me up the wall. I wouldn't be surprised seeing you climbing a wall one day. You know what I'm saying? But some people, well, you know, something bad's going to happen today. I just, I'm going to probably lose my job. I'm going to probably go bankrupt. I'm, we'll probably get some, some terrible sickness. People who talk like that's what's in their heart. That's what they believe. And did you know that we, you and I, are created in the very image of God? The Bible says so. We're created in the image of God. And we're the only creation that God has ever made that can speak intelligently like God does. And God created. He created the the light of this world by saying, let there be light. And light bursts forth on the scene. And you and I are created in the very image of God. And if you want to access the treasures of God and discover them unlocked, we have to be mindful of the words that we say. We must be mindful of the words that we say and because it shows us what's in our heart. And then we can change what's in our heart. You know, like you can, you can change what you put in your refrigerator, can't you? You can change the clothes that you got hanging up in your closet. And you can change the contents of your heart if you want to. But the tongue just allows us to take a 
a look in. But listen to what it says once again. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue can bring death or life, and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. You will reap the consequences, good or bad, by the words that keep coming out of your mouth. Proverbs 16.28, it says, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. How do they do that? With the words. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Like, like Madonna, she planted seeds of strife, division. You know, trying to create division in, 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 in our United States of America, planting seeds of strife. It says, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Is that true? The best of friends. How many times have you seen a husband and wife who are the best of friends? As time progresses, by the words that say, say and hurt each other, then it separates them. Or other friends that we may have. Our words are more powerful than you ever knew because you're created in the very image of God. And God created by saying, let there be light. And he created with his words. And you create in your children, hey, you'll never amount to nothing. Or you can do all things through Christ. Who says, One day you'll probably be the president of the United States. Or something much more noble. There's lots of things more noble, you know, but our words impact us. And if we want to access the treasures of God and discover them unlocked, we must be careful about what our words say. And as you hear your own words, examine the contents of your heart and let's change some things. Listen to what it says here in Acts chapter 19, verse 19. It says a number of them, it's talking about a certain group of people there in the book of Acts, who had been practicing magic. This is not a card trick kind of magic. This is like dark black magic. This is talking about the occult. This is talking about sorcery. Some translations of the Bible use the term curious arts, you know, meddlesome, busybodies. That's what that word, if you look up in the Greek, it means. And it says, and a number of them who had been practicing magic brought their incantation books it was the books that they learned chants and, and, and spells to cast on people because they were fearful and they were trying to get some power. And although it was dark, it would help them overcome somebody else's power and all the craziness that goes on with that. But when they got saved, it says a number of them who had been, past tense, been practicing magic, they brought their incantation books and they burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. I mean, said so we don't need that stuff no more. We got Jesus. And Jesus is going to take care of us. And his angels can camp around about us and protect us. And we don't have to do some hocus pocus stuff. We can pray to Almighty God. We're learning how to pray now and access the treasures that he has unlocked for us. Well, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 13 says, here's another group of people in the New Testament. It says, they are likely to become lazy and spend their time gossiping, tattlers, talebearers, gossiping from house to house, getting into other people's business, busybodies, and saying things they shouldn't. Do you know in, in 1 Timothy 
And in Acts chapter 19, do you know it's the exact same Greek word? Not a similar word, but the exact same word? The same word for sorcery and curious arts and this black magic, the exact same word is the exact same word for a talebearer, a gossip, a busybody. So if, if you're going to gossip and talk about people behind their back, you might as well get yourself a crystal ball and a big black hat and start riding a broom. Because <laughs> it's the same spirit. You go, I would never practice sorcery. I would never dabble with the, the dark occult. And I would never do all those kinds of things. But if you're a gossip, you're doing it already. It's a divisive spirit. It brings about death and destruction. And you just got to know what spirit you are of. And you probably didn't know that, that it was the same. And when you gossip about somebody, and when you are a busybody in people's affairs, and you create chaos and confusion and cause people not to like this person or that person, it's, it's just the same as being a sorcerer, reading your horoscope, practicing witchcraft. Same thing. Exact same thing. So there's power. There's life and death in the power of our tongue. And we must choose the words that we're going to allow to come out. But if, if gossip is coming out of your mouth, that tells us something about the condition of your heart. It's kind of dark down there. And that's not a healthy thing for us. Listen to what it says here in Proverbs 16, verse 23. It says, the heart of the wise, the heart of the wise teaches his mouth. A wise person's heart's going to teach your mouth. But I want you to understand something. An unwise person's heart's going to teach your mouth as well. And you're going to say some pretty foolish things, to be honest with you. So before we go on, I want you to listen to the, a song. I'm just talking about words. And it kind of set the, the stage for us to grasp the reality of words if we want to find the treasures of God unlocked. They've made me feel like a prisoner They've made me feel set free They've made me feel like a criminal Made me feel like a king They've lifted my heart To places I've never been And they've dragged me down Back to where
Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure. God blesses. He unlocks the treasure for those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Now, C.S. Lewis, he once said, only the pure in heart want to see God. Because if your heart's not pure, it's dark, you don't want the light shining on you. You want to go hide in a dark corner somewhere, you know. Let me see here. <laughs> yes. These are not my glasses. I found them. I'm telling you the truth. I found these glasses on the desk back there. So after the service, if they're your glasses... Please come and get them, okay? It worked into a great object lesson. Had a beautiful cup. I borrowed it, you know, for the day. And pretty cup, you know, it's nice, kind of, you know, uh, dainty. It's not the kind of cup I would use, you know, but it's kind of a pretty cup, don't you think? And uh, let's reach in here. What do you think you have armpits for? Come on now. Does anybody need me to clean your glasses for you? Thank you very much. Last service, I got that mud all over my face. Got on my shirt. That is real mud. Is that pretty disgusting stuff in there? Shoo, look at this. Oh, wow. So, let me read this verse again. So God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. A dirty heart blurs our ability to see God. I can see a little bit of something through there, but not much. And a dirty heart blurs our view of God. And it says here, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. 
Do you want to see God leading you and guiding you in the best pathway for your life? Do you want to see God open up the doors he wants you to walk through? Do you want to see God closing doors that you should not go through? Do you want to see God provide his treasures that are unlocked for you? Do you want to see God answering prayer? Well, if we want to see him, we've got to have a pure heart. Because without a pure heart, our vision is going to be at best blurred. And it's really, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to drive home wearing these glasses. Well, they're not mine anyhow, so I'm not sure what the prescription is on them. So that would be kind of bad. Every time I put them on, I just remember the last search, and I got mud all over my nose. Oh. David. You know David in the Bible? Now, he had smeared mud all over his lenses, all over his, his eyes, his face. You, you, you remember that. David had done some pretty bad stuff, had he not? He tried to cover it all up and everything. And he had difficulty seeing God for a little while in his life. But then David, David cried out to God and he asked God to help him get the, the dirt out of his eyes. He asked God to help him get his heart clean. Uh, let me read it to you. It's found in Psalms 51. And it says here, let me move these things over a little bit. David says in Psalms 51, first one says, have mercy on me. You remember we said, studied mercy last week? You remember that? Everybody got a lollipop? It says, have mercy on me. That means don't give me what I deserve. That's what mercy is. It's not giving you what you deserve. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. I want a pure heart, God. Blot out the stain of my sins. It's just ever with me. And, and Lord, please blot it out. Remove it. Have compassion on me, Lord. He says in verse 2, wash me. Wash me clean from my guilt. You ever feel guilty? Guilt is not a good feeling to have. Just wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my sinful deeds. And here's a question i got to ask you. Are you aware of when you commit a shameful deed? Are you aware of it? And see, if, if you try to justify it to God, well, it wasn't as bad as so-and-so's. You'll not ever be forgiven that way. But when you recognize your shameful deeds, say, God, I am so sorry. This is what I did, and I was wrong. The Bible says if you confess your, your, your sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from every wrong, you see. Just you acknowledge it, you know. You, you recognize it. And that's what he's saying right here in verse 3. He says, David says, for I recognize my shameful deeds. They haunt me day and night. Shame. Guilt. Haunting me. Day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. When you sin against somebody else, the sin is really against God. He takes it personal. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. And you will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. See, when we were born, before we were even born, we had sinful blood going through our veins. Sin is passed from generation to generation. Even before a child learns to say no, you know, there's a sinful nature. 
that's there. You understand that? It's just passing from generation to generation. That's why we need a Savior. His name is Jesus. And it says, for I was born a sinner, verse 5, for I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the heart. See, honesty is a key to having a pure heart, being honest with God. I've sinned, and I'm sorry for it. Would you please forgive me? But you desire honesty from the heart, so you can teach me to be wise in my inmost being. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. And you know every snowflake has a little speck of dirt, a little speck of dust. So every snowflake, although it looks pretty and white, it has a dirty heart. And the Bible says, purify me from my sin, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. No dirty heart. Oh, give me back my joy again. And what gives us back joy? Being forgiven. And only God can do that. But when you're forgiven, no more shame, no more guilt, no more condemnation. Oh, boy, it changes our life. It changes how we feel on the inside. It really does. So it says here, um, verse 7, Purify me from my sins, and I'll be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Verse 9 says, Don't keep looking at my sin. Remove the stain of my guilt. Take it away. And like, sometimes you've washed some of your lighter clothes, and you washed all the dirt out, but there was still a stain there. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus takes the stain of our sins away. Not just washes it, but removes the guilt and the, the shame and the stain completely away. And then David goes on to say in verse 10, Created me a clean heart, O God. And only God can create a clean heart. That means a pure heart. Renew or, or restore a right spirit within me. Is it possible to have the wrong spirit? Even a Christian can have a wrong spirit. They can have a religious spirit. You know, they can do it. Jesus told his disciples when they were wanting to call down fire on a town. One time, you remember his disciples? And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. So you can have a wrong spirit. Even as a believer, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. Now, sin will keep you from the presence of God. And the presence of God will keep you from sin. So you kind of got a choice here. Because when you're, 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 you're in sin, you don't want to see God. You really don't. It's like, I feel so bad when I'm around him. I, don't, I feel guilty and all because his light illuminates things there. But the presence of God will keep us from sin. So strive to live in his presence always. And he says here, let me see, where was I at? What verse was I on there? 11. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12 says, restore to me again the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to sinners and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves, and then I'll joyfully sing of your forgiveness. When God forgives us, it transforms us, and we can't help but to want to sing about it or tell people about it. The, the light in us will glow. Verse 17 goes on to say, the sacrifice you want is a broken spirit, a broken and a repentant heart, O oh God, you will not despise. David is saying, 
God, I understand. I'm asking all this cleansing. I'm asking all this purifying. I'm asking all the shame and the guilt and the condemnation and the sin to be taken away. And I understand it's linked to having a repentant heart. A repentant, a broken and repentant heart because of our sin. And you understand what repentance is, right? Repentance is an about face changing my direction. Repentance means change your direction. That's all it means. Change your direction. So listen to what he says here. This is in the book of Acts. Now, we all agree that David did some pretty bad stuff, right? I mean, really bad stuff. And then he did some even badder stuff trying to cover up the bad stuff he'd done earlier. Right? Now, could David have another chance? Absolutely, he could. It says in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, God said, this is the New Testament. God said, David, son of Jesse, is a man after my own heart. God said about David, who had done some really bad things, that now David is a man after my own heart. That was due to repentance. Because once he sinned, he recognized it, and he, he did an about face, and he said, oh God, please forgive me and cleanse me. And God says, you know, David is a man after my own heart, for he will do everything I want him to. What about you and me? Would we ever be so courageous to say that? I'll do everything God wants me to do. I will do it. I mean, would you ever sign a blank check and give it to God? Say, Lord, whatever it is you want, that's what I, I want to do, you know? Yeah, I mean, we want to see God, right? I'm not sure how much of this stuff you're supposed to use. <laughs> Does anybody else need their glasses clean while I'm doing this? <laughs> See, I didn't want to, because uh, these are not my glasses. I didn't want to, it had a lot of grit on there. You don't want to just rub your glasses with a paper towel with grit on it. You know what I'm saying? I did that before. I know not to do it no more. It's pretty good. At the end of this service, whoever's glasses these are, you may come and collect them, okay? They were in there laying on the desk in the back room there. It's pretty cool. Wow, this is awesome. Now, y'all are fuzzy, but everything else is clear. My notes are three times the size they were. I can see. This is amazing. Wow. It is wonderful when you haven't been able to see very well and all of a sudden have vision. And see, an impure heart, it blurs our vision. And you go, why? How come other people see his blessings and, and all of his treasures? But it seems like everything to me is locked. It's because you've got blurred vision. You can't see. The pure in heart shall see God. That's what the Bible tells us. You know, and, and the Bible is 100% true. It really is. Let me see. Where was I at? 
We was in Acts. Okay. Psalms 24, verse 3 says, Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? That, that means gaining higher ground. And you know, high ground gives you an advantage if you're in warfare, you know? Gaining the high ground and, and getting closer to God is like, who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? And then it answers his own question there. It says, only those whose hands and hearts are pure. Oh, I forgot about that. You might need a hands wash. Okay. I have paper towels. Okay. Apparently you don't wash your face, right? Okay. Uh, it says, uh, let me ask the question again. Psalms 24, uh, 24, 3. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure. That means our deeds, the things that we do, is clean. And if our heart is pure, our vision is going to be clear. We'll see God. The pure in heart will see God. See, hands and heart and, and our vision pure and clean so we can see what God's up to, you know. It says only those whose hands and heart are pure who do not worship idols and never tell lies. If you tell a lie, what, what, what's in your heart? Lies. If you're a liar and you tell a lie, oh, it's just a little white lie. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a white lie, which almost sounds like it's innocent, as pure, as clean. No, it's not. A lie that comes out of your mouth tells us it's kind of dark down in your heart. That's just the truth of it. We just need to be honest, okay? Anyhow, he says, only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies, they will receive the blessings, the Lord's blessings. They will receive those clean hands, clean heart, unborn vision. They will receive blessings. They will receive the unlocked treasures from Almighty God. They, verse 5, they will receive the Lord's blessings and have right standing, right relationship with God, their Savior. They alone may enter God's presence and worship the God of Israel. And then it says interlude, which means stop and think about that. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21 says, if you keep yourself pure, keep your, you understand it's important to keep yourself pure, right? How many of you wouldn't mind just being honest with me and telling me that you actually wash yourself at least once a week on Saturdays, whether you need it or not? <laughs> now, we take a shower. We wash our hands as often as we need it, don't we? And that's my responsibility, you know, to keep me clean. That's your responsibility, to keep you clean. And it says here, if you keep yourself pure, your heart, your hands, that will keep your eyes, your vision clear. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a utensil God can use for his purpose. It's a beautiful cup. Is anybody thirsty? Let me pour you a glass of water. You know what? 
it's a beautiful, beautiful cup here, but who wants to drink out of that? You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you can see it. If I tip it anymore, I'm going to make a mess on the carpet. So I'm not going to tip it any further, but it's pretty bad in there. It really is. It's, it's really disgusting in there. Now, if you was thirsty, really thirsty, would you use this cup like it is? You'd rather use this old cheap disposable plastic bottle, wouldn't you? Or a paper cup or a styrofoam cup in it, you know? Even if it was a silver or gold goblet, you know, studded with diamonds, if it was a million-dollar cup, you'd still rather use a paper cup to drink out of if the paper cup was clean and this one was dirty. So whoever you are, the condition for God to use is just keeping up your heart. God wants to do things in this world in which you live. And he'll use any man, woman, boy, or girl who will just keep their hearts clean. He says, if, uh, 2 Timothy 2, 21, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a utensil that God can use for his purpose. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. If you're clean, you're ready. God needs something done. It's like, I'm ready. Some people say, well, if God calls me, I'll go try to get myself all cleaned up so he can use me. It don't work that way. God goes, I need somebody to do I'm clean. See, we, we, we cleanse our hearts. And, and in, in uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, it talks about the washing of the water of the word. The Bible cleanses us. Reading it and studying it on a daily basis, it keeps us clean. It renews our minds. It really does. Um, listen to what it says in James 1.21. It says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Clean out your heart. Confess your sins to God and then put the Bible, put God's word in its place. It says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Humbly accept the message God has planted in your hearts because it purifies you for it's strong enough to save your souls. Psalms 119, verse 9, it says, how can a young person, we have any young people here today? Other than me. So I'm not asking what other people think about you. I'm asking how you think about yourself. Any, any young people here today? And, and how many, is any young people year-wise, any, any young folks here? Well, listen to what the Bible's saying. How can a young person, now this goes for old persons too, but it's talking to young people. It says, how can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word and following its rules. And then he says in verse 11, the psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you hide your word, God's word in your heart, and it's got to get in our mind, gets down into our heart, and you hide it there, when the devil tempts you to, to disobey God, you know, you won't give in to it. You'll have something that's strong, producing faith and light down in there, you see. And it says, in verse 11, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And uh, your weekly challenge, I'll talk a little bit about, about it a little bit more later on, but your weekly challenge is, this is your weekly challenge. I want to challenge you to read Psalms 119. It's the longest Psalms in the Bible. And if you go tell me, like, oh, that's really, really, really long. It's like 175 verses or something. 
But years ago, I offered $500. I gave them a month, anybody who would memorize it. And a teenager, a young girl, at the end of the service, stood up here, took her 20 minutes, and she quoted the 119th Psalm. So I'm not asking you to memorize it. I'm just asking you to read it. Okay? Puts in a little different light, right? Just read it. And then I want you to underline things that jump off the page at you. Things like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Because almost every verse, all except four verses, I think, talks about the Bible, talks about the Word, the Word of God. Out of 170-some-odd verses, it's amazing. It's life-changing. So if you'll read it, and this is what I'm going to ask you to do, read 119th Psalm once a week for at least a month. That's four times. And you might say, oh, that's pretty good. I'm going to do it for a whole year. You can do it if you want to, but just read 119th Psalm and then underline, take a little yellow highlighter or whatever color you like or a pen or a pencil, whatever, and underline the things and go, oh, that's good. I want to remember that. Okay? So that's what your, your, your weekly challenge is. Okay. Uh, John 17, 17 says, make them pure and holy. This is Jesus praying to the Father, talking about us. Make them pure and holy by teaching them your words of truth. Okay, here's another verse that talks about young people. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. You don't let people think less of you because you're young. God has always used young people. Did you know that? Mary was a young, young girl, a young teenager. David was a young boy. God has always used young people to do absolutely amazing things. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. And this is, he tells us what it is. Be an example to all believers. Young folks, be an example to the old folks. Be an example to all believers. How do you do it? Be an example in what you teach. Did you know kids can teach us? In what you teach, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Don't think that, well, I'm just too young. You're not too young. God wants you to use you as an example to inspire the older folks. That's the truth of it. And then he goes on to say, until, verse 13, until I get there, focus on, what's that say? Reading the scriptures. Focus on reading the scriptures to the church and encouraging other people and teaching them. It's what he's telling us to do. Be an example, young folks, about purity. Follow the example of what God says here. He's commissioning you, young folks, especially for a noble task. And then in James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, And remember, it is a message to obey, not just to listen to. If you don't obey, you're only fooling yourself. And the key will not unlock the treasures. Well, I know what the Bible says. How come it's not unlocking the treasure? So you have to actually apply it. You actually have to live it. It becomes part of you. James chapter 1, verse 27, it says, Refuse to let the world corrupt us. Don't let the world corrupt you. Let me tell you, it's out there. Everything you see and everything you hear is trying to corrupt you. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 8 says, Yes. He's talking about Lot. You remember Lot? Lived down in Solomon Gomorrah, yes, he, and, and he was a righteous man, yes, he, Lot, 
was a righteous man who was distressed by the wickedness that he saw and heard day after day. The King James Bible says that he, was, he vexed his righteous soul from day to day. Another translation in the original Greek says he tortured his soul. Righteous Lot, who had a relationship with God, he tortured, he vexed, he distressed his righteous soul by the things he saw and the things he heard day by day because your eyes and your ears are gateways that gets to your heart. And how our heart becomes impure? Because I saw something, I read something that was impure. I heard something. I listened to something that was impure. So we must guard our heart by guarding our ears and guarding our eyes and not let that garbage in. I mean, sometimes people telling you something, you go, excuse me this moment, my ears aren't garbage cans. And they'll probably catch the hint that you don't want to hear that trash. You know what I'm saying? You can be kinder than that. But in our, our eyes and our ears, it's, what, it's the way things get into our heart. If you don't have a pure heart, you've got to guard what you see and what you read and what you hear and what you listen to. Have we all made mistakes in that before? Yes. Will God forgive us? Yes. And he'll help us to maintain a pure heart. That's what we long for. A heart that follows hard after God, you see. Second Peter, chapter 3, verse 14. Make an effort to live a pure and blameless life. Make an effort. Make every effort to live a pure and blameless life and be at peace with God. Make every effort. The devil tempts you. The devil tempts you. What are you going to say? That was really wimpy. You know that, right? Just say no. Let's try this again. On the count of three, I want y'all to say no. One, two. No. No. Knowing what the devil's going to tempt you, he's going to tempt to pollute and corrupt your heart. So you will fail. Your family will fail. The blessings of God will all be locked up so you can't access them. So he's tempting you to get mud in your eyes. All right? And he's tempting you to hurt you. and, And you have one word to tell him on the count of three. No! You're getting there. We're only going to do it one more time, and you should practice this a lot. But when the devil tempts you to do something you ought not to do, now you've got to give it your best. This last time we're going to do it on the count of three. No! Now that's what I'm talking about. And I should drive through our communities, the surrounding towns here this week, and hear people holler, No! No! When the devil tempts you to do something, you just tell him, no, and tell him where to go. You know, he actually lives there, anyhow. (laughs) Why not tell him that, you know? That's the only person you can tell to go there, okay? (laughs) Cynthia was invited to a slumber party with three of her high school friends. They're having a good time when one of the girls said, let's invite the guys over for the night. Her parents had left them the house. 
parents had gone away. Cynthia couldn't believe what she heard. These were her church friends. They all had Bibles inscribed with their name, baptism certificates. Well, Cynthia got her things and she went home. Her wise parents never questioned why she was home a day early. Much later, they heard the rest of the story. Well, Cynthia chose to follow what she really believed. She made a decision based on God's word rather than pleasure or the pressures of others. It didn't hurt her. Cynthia lives with no regrets. She attended college on a scholarship. She became a lawyer. She later married a fine Christian man. They now have two children. They are a family keeping themselves pure. That's the characteristics of people who know Jesus. Let's keep our heart pure. The devil's going to use every tactic he can to corrupt us, to contaminate our heart, so we'll discover the treasures of God are locked. But God desperately wants you to find his treasures and his blessings and his promises. He wants you to find them unlocked. He wants you to access them now. And he's just letting us know. Keep your heart pure. And if you ever have a question about it, ask a close friend. Say, what do you hear coming out of my mouth? Ask a friend to help you. Use that tongue depressor, you know. And see the condition of your heart. And let's maintain a pure heart. Because that's what God blesses. The men and the women with a pure heart will daily, daily, multiple times a day, discover, unlock treasures that God has for you. That's just the truth of it. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for giving us your word. It builds our faith, but it keeps us clean. It keeps our vision blur-free. And Lord, we want to be a utensil that you go to often. We want to be your favorite spoon, your favorite fork, your favorite knife, your favorite cup. Lord, that you can always use because we'll just do everything that you tell us to do. We want to be a people who's attracted your favor and your blessings. Help us to keep our hearts pure, almighty God. Help our deeds always to be that which honors you. As our heads are bowed, I would ask you off to reaffirm your faith in Jesus today. And those of you who've never welcomed Jesus into your life, would you join us? Maybe for the very first time and invite Christ in, into your life. He only comes in by invitation and never forces his way into your life. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe you're leading me and guiding me into the best pathway for my life. Clear my vision so I can see you. Purify my heart. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and is knocking at the door of my heart right now. And I open wide the door and I welcome Jesus in as my Savior as my Lord, and as my King. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Don't forget your weekly challenge. We already talked about it, but it just simply says read.
Psalms 119 once a week and underline the things that stand out to you. Oh, I do forget one thing. Uh, in a couple of weeks, there's a ball game. Are y'all familiar with that? It's called the Super Bowl. And we have, are sending out 20 some odd thousand flyers to the surrounding communities here. And it is the most awesome postcard you ever saw. I actually want to just stay in the back room and look at the postcard. It was so awesome. It is, I'm telling you. When you see it, you can't help but to go, whoa, that is awesome. I'm serious. And hopefully we'll have some of them printed up that you can uh, take and give them to your friends next week. But what it's going to do is invite everybody to come on Super Bowl weekend. And my theme is the game changer. And a lot of people need a game changer in their life. They need some change. Don't you think so? But this is awesome. When you see the postcard, it is it's awesome. It's just, I don't know of a better word. It's just awesome postcard. So I want to encourage you to invite somebody. It's not next week, but the following weekend. Invite somebody, you know, to come and spend the, uh, the Super Bowl weekend with you at church. Invite them to go watch a game afterwards or take them out to eat or something. Their lives will never be the same. And they're going to be getting in the mail uh, a postcard inviting them to come also. And also on that, on that postcard, that's two weeks from now, it's going to have Faith Living Church is handicap accessible. Okay? <laughs> now, for those of you who have not been on the other side of those two pieces of plyboard, you have no idea what has happened out there. You have no clue. You should take a little stroll back here and look at it and go like, oh, wow, where'd that come from? You know, but it's not completely done, so keep praying, you know, and uh, you can keep paying also to get the thing <laughs> off, paid off as well, okay? And let me see, that was it. Oh, and uh, if you have some needs, the altar is open. There'll be folks here to pray for you, and I'm telling you, God, he answers prayer, especially when we just confess our sins and got a pure heart, you know, and uh, if you prayed with us today and you accepted Christ into your life for the first time, if you go to the Connections desk, they got a little gift bag. There's a Bible and some other goodies in there that will inspire your faith and help you to grow. And if you're a guest for the first time, let them know you're a guest. We've got another awesome gift for you. Uh, just as our way of saying thank you, and we hope you come back. And as you leave, if you want me...